What's up, everybody? Welcome to Full Draw Friday, episode number 46. Today, we're going to get into a little bit back to normal on the segmented stuff. So when I started doing that a few, several Full Draw Fridays ago, we're going to get back to that. We're going to do the deer activity update, your hunting strategy for the week, kind of. And then I got an article out of North American Whitetail from our guy, Clint McCoy. And then we'll get out of here. So before we get into that, though, don't forget about our partner for Full Draw Friday, and that's Rodney Hawkins. Uh, if you guys are looking for your own piece of ground that you want to manage your hunt, or if you got a piece that you're looking to get on the market, Rodney's going to be the guy to talk to. He grew up hunting and fishing in Southern Illinois, and he's now putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. If you guys don't know about them, they're not your average real estate company. They sold over $85 million worth of ground in 2022 alone. I know they're going to be close to, if not over that number again this year. They do do residential stuff as well, but their main focus is the recreational properties. So they've got agents like Rodney all over Illinois. They're really a local company with a national reach. For more info on them or anything that might be available, or again, getting your property listed, call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153, and he'll get you taken care of. He's also got his own company called RG Outdoors. They currently have products from Radix Hunting. He's got camo dust. He's got Tacticam trail cameras, and he's adding new stuff all the time. So if you're interested in any of that, if you want to keep up with what they're adding, go to their Facebook page. You can send them a message there. It's RG Outdoors. You can email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com. Or again, just call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153. Don't forget about our social media, Ridge Hunter Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram. We do have a private Facebook group, RHO Podcast Patrons. You guys can have some input on the show, stuff like that. Our website is ridgehunteroutdoors.com. We've got apparel on there. We've got the scents. We're going to have some food plot seed available again soon, and we're going to add some new apparel, too, I think, coming up. And we're going to try to do a fall pursuit line, maybe. So that'll be on there. <clears throat> you can use the discount code FULLDRAW. It's all caps, no space. You get 10% off of everything in your first order if you find anything you like. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if you're listening there, if you're listening anywhere else, that allows you to do it. Make sure you follow us, leave us a review. That really helps us out. Same way on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast on YouTube, if you don't, go over there anyway, because that's where we have the Fall Pursuit Show. Uh, we have some other content available there as well. That's Rich Hunter Outdoors. Subscribe, like, comment, all that kind of good stuff helps us out too. So all that said, let's get into Full Draw Friday number 46. Mm. All right, Nate was giving me crap in that intro because if you guys <laughs> watch the uh, reel that I just put up, and it'll be on whatever the next episode of Full Draw Friday or Fall Pursuit is, I got I ordered some new felt for my QAD tonight <laughs> because I would have wrapped a sock around it that made thing the god awfulest noise. <laughs> but like I said, I didn't have to stop her. She was just instantly like, "Wow, what is that?" <laughs> yeah, it's the death. Screech. I have never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because Dad's old Patriot, when it rolls back, at the very end, the draw stop hits, and it goes, click. <laughs> That's a built-in stopper. You don't have to say anything. You just draw back, you get to your anchor point, it goes, click. <laughs> I mean, if they hear it, you're in good shape. You don't have to say anything. I don't know how that buck that I shot with you didn't hear it, because it I don't know if it's quite as loud, but it was loud that day, too. Mm -hmm. Anyway... Let's get into the first segment here. It's the deer activity update. Like I said, we're going to be back to kind of normal on full draw Fridays now. 
Uh, but we were just talking about this. Uh, Blake, you went and did some coyote calling. And you're going to start seeing the does grouped up again, for sure. Like deer in general are going to be grouped up. Um, and they're going to be hitting food. Although right now, usually this time of year, a lot of times you'll see them getting out at like 3.30, 4 o'clock, 4.30 and into the food. But as warm as it's been, like I haven't been seeing that. I don't know about you guys, but... They've been laying around still. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of reason for them to get up early. When it gets real cold, they go eat to stay warm, partially. So they're up earlier and out. And when the does are out earlier, then the bucks are generally out earlier because they follow them out to the fields. Mm-hmm. But right now, it seems like the bucks, at least on my cameras, they're getting out pretty late still. Maybe that last hour, but even a lot of times after dark. So it's real similar to early season right now. So that kind of... Uh, that kind of rolls into our hunting strategy for the week, which those two always kind of go hand in hand, what the deer are doing. It's kind of what you need to be doing. Um, if you don't know where the deer are feeding, go do some scouting, whether that's while you're coyote hunting and you happen to see them out there or going and driving around in the truck in the evenings. Right now it should take one evening. Yeah. And that should tell you pretty much everything you need to know. Yeah, Drive around, find out where they're feeding at, and then you got to either be close to the food we're close to where they're coming from to get to the food. Depending on how you're set up and what properties you can hunt, where they're feeding at is going to determine where you need to be. I I will interject at least my opinion for recently here. We're super dry, like still super dry. Like mm-hmm. uh, still somewhat of an early season mindset in water Yeah, for me right if now. If you got good water, for sure. Yep. Especially um, if it's on the way to food. Yes. All of my creeks, like, I don't even know if I have any water holes left in my creeks at this point. Yes. Yeah, it did rain today. It's stupid uh, dry. But I don't think it Not rained that much. any to accumulate any water. No. Uh, so, I mean, uh, very not typical at this time of year. Nope. But uh, water. Mm-hmm. Um, water is just as important as the food for us right here, right now. Yep. And that also makes that green stuff more attractive, too, because if yeah. you've got, like, green, real green wheat right now, or if you had a plot that made it like probably your inner sanctum plot even mm-hmm. if it's got green in it mm-hmm. they know that's where the moisture's at so they're going to yeah. be hitting those spots as well and it may be a good place to start looking for them and talking about that man there's some beautiful wheat fields right now mm-hmm. it should be because it's been 50 degrees <laughs> right it's still growing mm-hmm. right so you know a lot of guys talk about hunting field edges all the time field edges are in the timber if you can if your only choice is to be on a field edge, like you have no timber to speak up to hunt, or maybe you just have a little bit, if you've got just a little bit, I'd back off of it just a hair. Find out the general direction the deer are coming from and try to be back in there. And the reason I say that is the deer have been hunted for three months now, and they've been through the two gun seasons, and they're all grouped up. So when you see one doe, you're probably going to see 10 or 15 at least. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Blake, there are 30 out there together. So that's 60 eyeballs if there's 30 deer. And they're so spooky. If you're right there on the field edge, they're all out there. They're all looking around, mm-hmm. and they're stopped, and and they're there. As opposed to, if you're back up in the timber a little bit, they're walking through maybe, mm-hmm. and you catch them going through. That's why, if you can, I prefer to kind of be there this time of year. And even on a food plot, like if if you can get between the bedding and the food plot rather than being right on it, uh, unless it's one of those real small plots they're not spending a lot of time in. But I think I'd rather be on the travel corridor right now just because of how spooky spooked they are mm-hmm. how easy it is to blow them out because you can clear a field like nothing right now yeah and then if you clear the field that's just going to set everything back the buck's not coming out till dark at that point mm-hmm. if the deer might come back i mean depending on how bad they're spooked but if they see you and they know it's a person up there 
Probably not coming back in the mm-hmm. daytime, at least for that day. Yeah. As, um, as on edge as they are right now. All of the fields that border us, uh, like everything coming out of my woods, the first hundred yards, they've got it picked over. I mean, there's, I don't think there's a kernel of nothing, you know, mm-hmm. corn. Uh, I don't think there's a single bean, whatever it might be. Within 100 yards of the edge, I think they found all of it by now. Yep. All mine are walking straight out of the woods, and they're going out there, and they ain't stopping until 150 yards out in the field. Right. Because that's where they've ate mm-hmm. their way out to. But it also has to do with them being spooked. You yeah. Know, they, they get out of the woods, and then they just want to get away from everything, mm-hmm. and they stand around out there in the middle. Yep. And if you... If field edges is the only thing you have, like or fence rows or whatever, if you can get on some kind of inside corner, mm-hmm. uh, if you can find, again, that kind of general direction to travel, you don't necessarily have to be on one specific trail, but if you can find a few trails that come out in a certain area, like get close to them. But that's what makes it really tough hunting fields in general, but especially right now is, man, they don't come out in the same spot twice real often, especially if there's a bunch of them. And then even that, it makes it tough because your wind, you don't know where they're going to be coming out necessarily. So where do you blow your wind? You blow it over the field. If they get around you and get out there, they're going to spook. If you got trails on both sides of you, they might come out of, if you're blowing it into the wind, into the woods, or if they're coming out of there, like it's tough right now with the, the wind, uh, the food availability and just how spooked the deer all are. It can be done. You can get mm-hmm. it done. I mean, I still think if you do have a good food source, that can be the place to be. Mm-hmm. And you can, Especially if we get some cold weather here towards the end of the December or early January. Like, if we finally get a cold snap, that'll mm-hmm. make a big difference on time of day they're moving. But Yeah. Also, the uh, we should be done with all of the does that didn't get bred or didn't get stuck or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. All of them pretty much should be bred, or well, you know, this the second little spike, mm-hmm. uh, the little spike in rut activity should be over by now. Yeah. I mean, that should have been... Uh, a week, 10 days, two weeks ago. Based on my cameras, yeah. Because yeah. I actually did see a little bit of that activity. So, and maybe we'll talk about that for yeah. Monday's episode. Yeah. That would be a good thing we could talk about is the whole debate around the second rut thing because I've been mm-hmm. seeing a lot of stuff on that. Uh, but but yeah, I think I, that would be good. But you're right. I, th- I think it's old. Or, well, it should be winding down, mm-hmm. um, I think. Um, uh, There'll be some yearlings maybe that if there's big yearlings. Mm-hmm. Like early fawns, mm-hmm. maybe they get bred I, in late December or January. I'd seen that in February firsthand for sure mm-hmm. uh, before. There was uh, right at the 1st of February, uh, I think it would have been 2015 because I think the buck got killed in 16. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think it was, it was the spear buck. Mm-hmm. Um, I specifically remember um, driving and uh, uh, he crossed the road in front of me chasing this fawn. Um, and that thing stopped, and he just almost got up on it before it took off running. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it just about happened. Yeah, and it was right there in the road ditch, you know. Um, as I was driving, I had to stop for him. Yep. And surprised the heck out of me. Mm-hmm. But that's what it was. That was some of the biggest fawns coming in. Yep, yep, um, no doubt. So, that, yeah, that should be should be over for the yeah, most part. Yeah, the, the second rut, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, I think they're, I mean, it's it's right back to... Uh, late season feeding pattern now. Yep, and the late season bedding too. I mean, yeah. there's a difference between where they're bedding early season generally and late season just because of the cover. Yeah. The cover that's available and the cover they need. Yeah. And we've talked about that before, like the difference in winter thermal cover versus or summer thermal cover versus even early season. Like, for one, there's not near as much cover left as there was. Mm-hmm. And for two, again, when it does get cold, 
even now that's not real cold, they're still out in there that wind all the time. They're going to try to find somewhere that's a little shielded from it. So those kind of places you're going to want to be between. Mm-hmm. If it's cold where you're at, thick hillsides. Yeah, yeah. Any kind of uh, cedars. Mm-hmm. Pines. Cedars. Yeah, I knew it was coming. (laughs) Pines. I wish I had that. Recorded? Yes, because I would hit that button all the time if I had that on a soundboard. Cedars. And you know that that guy ain't never going to hear it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, there's no chance. Oh, well. Yeah. So anyway, that's hopefully that's your, uh, that'll help you guys out if you're still hunting, if you're still getting after it uh, this week. On to the magazine segment, which this one's out on North American Whitetail. Uh, it's our buddy Clint McCoy. You guys ought to go check out the podcast that he's been on because he's been a great guest for us. And he's always got good insight on stuff. But this one I thought was interesting because we've talked about it some. Uh, it's a It just basically did an article on saddle hunting. It's called Myth or Merit, or at least that's the big thing. He says, saddle hunting has been around for decades, but in recent years, the mobile deer hunting tactic has exploded in popularity. The question is, does saddle hunting live up to the hype? And basic hype, basically, he goes through and he talks about a lot of these myths and stuff that he's gone through, learned, I guess. Um, safety, he's got a learning curve in here. He's got limited use, uh, physically taxing, athleticism, Saddle hunting is expensive. He goes on all that stuff and basically is saying, like, those are the reasons a lot of people give for not using them, and this is why he thinks that it's not necessarily, uh, there's not really merit in that stuff. Now, here's, and he's a private land guy, mm-hmm. so he's using them some on private land. We've messed with them. Well, Blake, you messed with one there for a little bit. I've never... I've messed with one a little bit at a show, maybe. I've never put one on and been in a tree with it. I Every time we talk about saddle hunting, and really, if you guys need to go read the article, because it's a good article, I'm not going to get into it all because, well, I'm actually not going to get into any of it, but I thought it was a good uh, conversation starter anyway about the saddle hunting thing because it is such a fad right now. But I've never heard anybody that uses them say they don't like them. And I don't know if that's because they spent so dadgum much money on them and they don't want to hate them. <laughs> or because it is a fad and they don't want to go against the green. Or if it's legit that they're just that nice. Oh, Obviously, Clint uses one. Austin Stone from Tactical Approach mm-hmm. uses one. He loves it. He does classes like when he does his workshop stuff, which reminds me. Don't let me forget about that when we get done here. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kind of adds in a little bit of a little bit of saddle stuff when he does that as well. But like even Clint talking about your physical limitations and stuff, like I have he, I have many physical limitations. <laughs> that's what he Where said would in, you the, like to start? In, in his article about not being athletic and having a, he called it a robust waistline as well. <laughs> that <laughs> would he be, worded it. be a great way to describe it. But even uh was it Easton? No. Uh, someone else was telling us about uh a bigger guy using a saddle and not uh, having a problem with it. Alex. Maybe it was Alex. Yeah. yeah the board. Yeah. He said they got guys that ain't got no problem. Mm-hmm. Now, I, my ladder stand and hang-ons, they never done me wrong. So here's where I was going to go. That's is, where I'm at. I don't know. Clint talks about them, uh, the expense, and them. if you already have all these tree stands and whatever, it kind of balances out, which, okay, if you can take one saddle set up and sit in all these places. 
But where I'm at, especially like private ground, and I get public land, they for sure have their use. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're lighter, probably a little bit less set up. Like I've seen some guys have pretty slick run, like setups with them, how they're running them. Mm-hmm. But to me, on private ground, I know about where all my deer are going to be, generally. If I have to move something a little bit, I can. But I like my hang-on stands, like those radic stands that we got, mm-hmm. and the ladder stands. Go put them up. I know that's where I'm going to want to be. Leave them. I don't have to carry anything in but my bow and my backpack, and I'm good. I don't have to get in terribly early to set up. Like, I'm getting in breaking daylight a lot of times, <laughs> like 30 minutes before, just to have enough time to set up the camera, and that's it, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I kind of know your guys' thoughts, but I was curious, especially with you after trying that one on a little bit. Like, I don't, I just don't know about them still. I, I'd rather just get in there as quiet and quickly as I can, mm-hmm. not ding around, less scent, less with, noise. With the way all of us are doing things, 30 seconds from the time <laughs> our feet leave the ground, we can be comfortable in a tree stand, mm-hmm. you know, and minimal work. Yeah, I sweat enough as it is, like, bad exactly. enough. Like, I don't yeah. want to ha- put myself through more sweating. Yeah. Yeah, and I... Phys- I physical limitations. Yeah, yeah. I think they say that it... And this is stuff that, like, he he writes about in his article, like, that he would rebut, I guess. But And it, I think he does a good job of it, but I'm kind of more in the camp again of... It could be a tool in the tool belt for us, but... It's too expensive just to put it as a tool. Exactly. For me. I'm not going to replace my ladder stands with it at this point, so that's kind of where I'm at on it. But um, the reason I went to accumulating ladder or ladder stands and hang-on stands over the years is because I used to hunt with a climber all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter where I hunted except for the one tree at the cabin, if I was hunting anywhere, I was taking a climber if I wanted to be in a tree because mm-hmm. I didn't have any stands anywhere else. And I got so sick of carrying that thing in. Mm-hmm. And the work to get it set up and mm-hmm. climbing and climbing down and packing it back up and hauling it out. Now, I know the saddles aren't as heavy, mm-hmm. even as the aluminum climber that I had. But still, you pack all that stuff in and you're at the bottom of your tree looking up. And there ain't nothing there. And there ain't <laughs> nothing there. And all your stuff that you need to get up there is still down here. And it's mm-hmm. just putting it on and dragging it up and putting it on. and I mean, that just doesn't excite me a whole bunch anymore. Mm-mm. I'm very much a creature of comfort. Yes. Um, ease. Yeah, I. I don't know. I. And I and, and they say they are comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and like maybe, if I had one, and we didn't have camera stands set up, you know, maybe that's something we throw up for for a camera setup. I can maybe, see that. Maybe. Yeah. I, I think we talked about that a couple times. Like that would be the way to go if you didn't have you setups know? already yeah. for that. Because we, because then all you would have to have is that saddle, your rope, and the platform, mm-hmm. which is ridiculously overpriced. That platform, they are crazy expensive. You could build a platform easy. Like I'm not a fabricator, and I could build one that would work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna leave that comment alone. <laughs> um, no, I feel like I'm gonna get bored sitting up there and just start swinging around like a monkey. There's that too. There is. Oh that. gosh, I hadn't even thought about that. Uh huh. Yeah, you just be bouncing up and down, swinging around. Yep. So call, call you Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I figured that's probably where we were at, and that's kind of where I'm at on it. But it was a good article, and it brought, he brought up some good points. And if I always say this, you guys should go read it uh, in the magazine. 
and I re- obviously respect Clint's opinion on stuff because he seems he's a cool guy and he seems to know his stuff. So mm-hmm. it's not something that I'm going to say never, and I would definitely try it. But like at this point, if someone wants to give us some for free so we don't have to pay them, <laughs> I'll try it out. Exactly. I'm not going to spend a thousand seven hundred fifty dollars or a thousand dollars on the setup just right. to try it. And the you know, like same way with tree stands, there are some stands out there that are eight hundred bucks for a single. Stand. Yeah, that was it. Novix ladder stands at eight hundred dollars, <laughs> and and you can't, you Whoa. can't even move that everywhere. No, that's <laughs> I mean that's like ridiculous. at least with a saddle. Okay, if maybe say you're transitioning from the climber to the, to something else, and you don't want to buy a bunch of, hang on stands, or you still want to have some mobile aspect to it. Okay, I could see spending, the money on a saddle versus six to ten, clam uh, hang on stands. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. But one, because you can you can move it around and hunt all those different spots. Yep. But I am not taking down a twenty foot ladder stand and putting it back up, <laughs> carrying it out. No. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like a crackhead <laughs> and carrying it back in every time. It just ain't happening. No. So that that to me that is even more ridiculous than the saddle thing. But they are crazy expensive, and I think it's partly, and I don't blame them. The companies are capitalizing on the fad. Mm-hmm. That's a business supply and demand. There's a ton of demand for them right now. Guys seem to love them. I don't know about them still. Yep. I wouldn't. I would try one, but I still really like my Radix stands. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this is the first year we've been using those, but yeah, they're they're pretty comfy and they're solid. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, like oh, that yeah. thing is not going anywhere. Yeah, I feel safe in them. Yeah, good size platform. Yep. Feel real safe in that blind. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, That's man. even better. I <laughs> I kill my that deer I killed that we were talking about the QAD thing. Mm-hmm. That was my first deer I think I've ever killed out of a blind, let alone an elevated blind. Yep. I don't think I've ever shot one out of one before. It felt great, didn't it? That was awesome. It felt it felt great even if it was like 15 degrees outside with the wind blowing yep. and I could have had a little heater in there. I still would have felt fine. Yep. Creature of comfort. <laughs> yes. No physical limitations. That's right. <laughs> in there. <laughs> that's right. Anyways, that's all I really wanted to cover for the Friday episode, so... Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, and be sure to tune in for Monday's episode, too, because we'll have a good one for you. We're going to talk about, we just kind of mentioned it there, we'll talk about the second rut thing a little bit, maybe some other stuff we'll get into, and then uh, that'll be that. So make sure you stay tuned for that one as well. Appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.